Greetings and salutations once again, ladies and lordies. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Late to the Game, the show about Jaren, me, the noob to the Game of Thrones series, going through it for the very first time, joined by a series veteran. That is Jordan Knuckleby. That's me, the other voice you'll be hearing on this episode and all episodes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Unless we get a divorce, you know, then I don't know. We'll have to go from there. Yeah. Who's going to get the kids? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We let's hope we never have to uh, make that decision. Great. Okay. Let's let's strike that from the conversation. It's not even a possibility. Indeed. Very true. Um, what is a possibility, though, is me yawning due to the week that I've had. I am very low on sleep and pulled in many different directions. So if I just go quiet and there's this uh, <gasps> sound, don't freak out. There is no ghost behind you. That is just me. Yeah. Jaren's not being killed by a white walker or a white. Um, he's just being killed by his own lack of oxygen to his brain because he, he's sleep deprived. Exactly. Here we go. It it's already begun. Great. Oh, man. Jordan, it's so great to see you. As it is for me to see you. Wow. Um, hello. <laughs> uh, so I have genuine. been replaced by a robot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's how I feel. Honestly, I am. I am, you know, a disaster of my own making. I'm just very hungover today, um, but in it's a fair. fun way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have a pretty gnarly episode to get into. Today, um, first, I did want to share a little bit of news for myself. Um, I did pass my final exam for my personal trainer certification. So, yay! I've got that all taken care of. So, yay! Yay! Congratulations! Love that. Thanks. I was pretty excited. Um, anyway, right. Jordan, did you have anything exciting that you wanted to share before we kind of get down to the meat and potatoes of everything today? Oh God, um, no. Um, I went to Connecticut this weekend. That was cool. Was I very, saw that. That looked fun. Yes, very lovely. Um, I got to see the leaves turning, which is a phrase I've learned since moving out here because um, that happens out here where they have four seasons as opposed to Montana where it's like, and uh, all of a sudden it's freezing and all the leaves are dead um, and they've fallen off. So leaves turning. I don't hear that much. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was lovely. I don't know what else. Yeah, it snowed today here. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that was coming for you guys. I was like, oh boy, don't miss yep. that. Meanwhile, it was about 70 degrees here today. So, uh, um, jealous. Living in a world of extremes. Yeah, tomorrow's going to be, oh my God, why? It's going to be 79 degrees tomorrow. I'm so over it. <laughs> Well, you can send that our way, and I will send you the flurry of snow that we got. Winter is not coming. Winter has come. I want the cold winds to be rising over here, eh? Okay. <laughs> uh, soon enough. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be sick of it. But yeah, that's nothing crazy. And uh, also another big milestone for you, Jaren, is that you also celebrated your one-year anniversary with your wife. We did celebrate that. And in fact, that was the um, 
kind of the reason why we didn't have an episode this week is because I and my me and my wife were getting ready to go on a camping weekend um, south of Montana. It was very beautiful and it was very nice to get away from the hustle and bustle of everything and also to just celebrate being married to a wonderful woman a year passed by so quickly Mm -hmm. it 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 was insane i did not expect it so thank you i'm very very happy yeah congrats um as somebody who got to be at your wedding one of two people that was at your wedding um (laughs) i'm a very honored guest (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) it was lovely to be a part of it um I'm glad you were. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, that's about all I got in me. um, Because we got to get into this here episode, which has so many things going on in it. So many things. So many things. And I can't wait to talk about them because things are starting to come to a head in the first season of the show. Um, But before we do, we want to talk a little bit about Buzzsprout. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Yeah, Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. And podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Uh, there is a link in the show notes uh, of this episode. So if you follow it, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. That it does. And to be honest, we actually use Buzzsprout. That is what I use to upload our episodes and get them out to all of the different platforms that you may be listening on. And honestly, I kind of sometimes need a blank for dummies book. And this site is perfect for that because it's very, very user-friendly. And if you don't always have the best sound setup, they do have some extra features uh, such as the magic mastering option that you can choose to turn that on for your episodes. And what that does, it'll automatically balance the sound levels in your episode just in case somebody is a little bit quiet or a little bit too loud. It'll bring it down to a nice comfortable listening volume that is just one of the many tools that they have at your disposal for creating the best possible podcast that you can produce some other tools include they will give you a great looking podcast website audio players that you can drop into other websites detailed analytics to see how people are listening and tools to promote your episodes and just so 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 much more join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using buzzsprout like Yours truly, Jaron and Jordan here at Late to the Game, and get your message out to the world. Ta-da! So, now, (laughs) without further ado, let us go ahead and dive into our discussion of Episode 8 of Season 1 of HBO's Game of Thrones. Beep.
So the Jaren cat keeps squirming on my lap. <laughs> so Jaren, this episode is called The Pointy End. The um, Pointy End. Which I think is a great name of an episode that starts with Sirio and Arya practicing their sword play because that is the first lesson that Arya knows of sword play. And that comes that lesson comes up a bit in this episode, I think. So that it does. Yeah. Um, my first question, because there's a, this is a very big edit heavy episode, I would say. Um, yes. With what the pacing they're trying to convey and kind of we're checking in where with Arya and Sansa and where they're at when all of this is going down. So it's kind of cutting back and forth between the two of them. Um, so it starts off with Arya and Sirio, and then it goes to Sansa and Septa as they're walking and they start hearing the sounds and Septa Mordain looks at Sansa and she says, go back to your room, close the door. Don't let anybody in unless you know them. And then, you know, Sansa does what she's told, doesn't question it. She's just like, okay. And it's this imagery. Just like Sansa. <laughs> classic Sansa. No questions asked. Um, and there's imagery of Septa Mordain slowly walking down as the Lannisters with their blood-stained swords approach her. And that's the last we see of Septa Mordain in this episode. And possibly forever, question mark? It's left ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked this opening. Um, for one, we have we have, like you said, shots of Sirio and Arya training. And it's cool because you can actually see just kind of like this passage of time. You see that Arya is doing a lot better at uh, her sword play. Um, but she still has a lot to learn. Um, and it's great because it constantly keeps cutting from, like you said, the uh, the Stark girls, two shots of the Lannister soldiers killing, slaughtering everyone that is part of the Stark household. Mm-hmm. And there are literally shots, I counted, that lasted for less than half a second. And so you're kind of like caught looking in all these different directions. And I think it's absolutely... It's, it's just really well done editing because it adds to the disorientation and kind of the the feeling of uh, both urgency and terror because you never know what's happening next. So I thought this opening was pretty well done. Um, the, the cuts made a lot of sense. And like I said, it just added to this feeling that they were, I think, trying to convey. And mm-hmm. um, I, I felt really bad for Septim Ordain because... When it came down to it, I was just like, you know, she's actually just doing her job. She may have been like harsh or um, I guess just nonsensical at times Mm -hmm. in the way that she tried to teach Arya and just like came down on her so harshly all the time. But at the end of the day, she loves his family. She was doing her job. And um, it was kind of a bummer to see her. Well, to not see her die, but to probably see her die. Mm-hmm. Um, but she faced it like a boss. She yeah. like, she held her head high and she walked towards those Lannister guards and it was pretty awesome. So props yeah. to her. Yeah. She did her duty to the end. You know, she sent Sansa away to safety. Um, main primary goal. So she did the best she could. So. Bye, yeah. Septa. 
um, that we still get one little bit of truth nugget of learning wonderfulness out of Cereal Pharrell before things go to piss and shit and all the wonderful things. Um, yeah. He's saying what he's going to do as he's fighting Arya. And then he says, right. And then he goes left. And he says, now you're dead. And she's like, yeah, only because you lied. He's like, yes, my tongue lied. But my eyes were like yelling the truth, basically. He's like, you were not seeing. He's like, I did see. He's like, no, you're not seeing. Seeing is the, what true is it? True seeing is the heart of sword play. So we're like, mm, all we see. And that kind of harkens back to the book, like, in the book, it talks about how she's about when the Lannister men and the Kingsguard all come around and um, she's like, oh, yeah, I'll go with you. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then his pause makes her look at the men. She's like, no way, you're not. Now that I see you, you're Lannister men. So it's kind of hearkening back to that seeing to save yourself. Um, yeah. But what what so what ensues is the serial versus all of these men. Um, with a wooden sword <laughs> which is so great because he's just beating the crap out of these dudes with a wooden drill sword and he's just so good and he he really is like the first sword of bravos like he says he's just so skilled um i was surprised that the sword didn't break in the, in all this melee but it finally did when he faced um uh, i guess he's kind of the captain of this group that um, he's a member of the king's guard um yeah Marin trant yeah um i i can't get over their helmets they they look kind of goofy but at the same time i can kind of see kind of like the function of the helmet and it like it might deflect swords a certain way i don't know yeah. they're just kind of goofy at first yes they um, are but just like in the books we the scene goes by and Syria Syrio tells Arya to run and she flees down the hall and we just hear a couple of clangs and then a scream off of screen. Yeah. So again, it's another ambiguous, like, was that Syrio screaming? Was that Marin Trant screaming? Mm -hmm. Who knows? I really hope it wasn't Syrio because I want him to appear in the books in the future because just like Drogo, he's too good of a character to just be in the first book slash season, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that he's still alive somehow. What did you think of this sword fight? I, I liked it cause it was different than what we're used to. And it's cool because it looks like the actor himself was actually doing a lot of the stunt work, especially that bit where he like spins around on the ground. And they talk about that move in the book too. I think they describe it where he like spins around and it's a one fluid motion and he stands up and smacks the guy immediately. Um, how do you think this compared to other sword fights that we've seen so far in the series? To be honest, I think it's the best one we've seen so far. Yeah, right. I I thought it was a lot of fun. There were a lot of cuts and uh, and shots that really made sense and followed the fluidity of his motions very well. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was mostly the actor doing all of his own stunts. I I would assume that some of the shots from his back if there were any i i can't recall um mm -hmm. that might have been a stunt double but also this guy could have gone through the required sword training because i mean a lot of the stuff that he does with Arya is when his face is being shown so i would imagine that he went through sword training and he did most of his own stunts mm -hmm. so i really liked this fight scene and it's just funny that <laughs> 
the one I like the best is the one that's with a wooden sword. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Um, and yeah. it just like has one more moment because Arya, like he tells her to flee and she says, come with me. And I was watching it today and I was getting a little for clump on honestly, when she says that I was like, oh, just go with her. Um, yeah. And he says, what do we say to the God of death? And she says, not today. And she's running away and she's saying, not today, not today. And again, we don't, this is something that like, I totally understand why they cut this. Cause this is in the book is when we get all of like her going through the dungeon and climbing up the, to the, um, the window from the cellar and she walks across the courtyard like terrified that they'll see her to make her way to the staples but we cut through all of that understandably so yeah um, and in between all of this because again it's still kind of cutting back and forth while she's making her way to the stables Sansa's running up to her room and there's the hound waiting for her her worst yep. nightmare <laughs> many people's worst nightmare yes mm-hmm. but and this is also kind of like this whole it's cutting back and forth a lot during this opening scene. Um, and when we get back to Arya, this is when she has a confrontation between her and the boy that's going to try and turn her in. Mm-hmm. And this is Arya's first kill because mm-hmm. she's hunting through a trunk for needle finds it just as he's about to grab her to turn her into the Lannisters and claim the reward. And she stabs him in the gut. The editing was so weird for that moment. It's like, stay away. Like three cuts. Yeah. I feel like they do that a lot. It's, it's interesting. There are definitely ways that I would have done it differently, but again, I'm not a director or cinematographer. I am not a professional I just have a lot of book learning and some practical hands-on education. So I'm not going to comment on that. It does get a little bit jarring because it's just like, why did you have to cut so many times? It was one turnaround stab motion. Yeah. So it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. But then finally things calm down. And the next bit we get is we see poor Ned in the dungeons in the dark. Um, and he's being visited by his best friend, Varys, um, who's basically there in disguise, um, who's basically there to chastise Ned for making all of these terrible decisions. He's like, first of all, because obviously Varys knows everything. So he knows who Joffrey's real, Joffrey's real parents are. He's like, what madness led you to tell the queen that you knew the the truth of Joffrey's birth? Um, and he's like the mad, and then of course Ned's like the madness of mercy, and then, and then Varys drops like another little nugget that stings. It's like he's like, uh, it wasn't what did he say? It wasn't the wine that killed Robert. The uh, or the wine helped it, and the boar the boar like gutted him. But it was your mercy that killed the king. So just you know, like dude, you're continuously to making bad decisions. Yeah, I yeah, like we've said before, I understand Ned's mindset, but it's something that he should have discarded long ago. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the second that he kind of settled into King's Landing and saw how things worked there, I feel like there is a a modicum of adaptation that he could have taken on. You know, you don't have to sacrifice who you are entirely, but mm-hmm. there are certain ways that you could change to kind of get into the groove of how things work. 
Mm-hmm. But again, I, I guess that is kind of like a major value that he holds. So I think I've said this before. If you can just discard your values on a whim, then they're not really values. Yeah. So, so I, I get it still, but it's just it's, so frustrating because Varys is right. Yeah. It's also frustrating because like at the end of the day, um, you're another Ned day older. I know. Uh, Ned doesn't really have a lot of character development. He just stays the same the whole time. So, like, yes, I love him, and he's an cre- incredibly nuanced character and well-acted by Ned Bean, but at the end of the, end of the day, he doesn't... Re- <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's all right. It's all good. No, it's so fun. Stop. Me. Stop. Um, he doesn't really have anywhere to go. He's kind of plateaued as far as character development goes. Um and again, he's, you know, he's sitting there and Varys is like, hey, you're dead, by the way. Like, I trust you know that. He's like, nah, nah, nah. The queen can't kill me. She, my wife holds her brother. He's like, mm, the wrong brother. And no, she doesn't. Um, and this was a very interesting moment. I don't know if you clocked this. Because then Ned says, well, then why don't you just slit my throat and be done with it? And Varys says, not today, my lord. What do we say to the god of death? Not today. I didn't even register that. That's mm-hmm. pretty, mm-hmm. that's, that's funny how that's kind of like a, a motif that comes up in more than just Arya's scenes. Mm-hmm, 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 I yeah. feel very conflicted about Varys, especially in this episode. Are um, you Varys this is conflicted? Varys conflicted. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he, he goes from this scene where he's, he's being very civil with Ned and just kind of explaining his wrongdoings and all this kind of stuff. And then he, he can just turn on a, on his heel and just be a complete shit. And then also be really awesome and helpful and good in another scene. It's like, he's, he's an interesting character. And again, I, I, I'm looking forward to more in the future from him. Yeah. Well, and now we learn what his motivations are because Ned's like, who do you really serve? And he's like the realm. So it's interesting having that perspective in mind, watching him go forward being like, okay, how does this serve the realm? How is this part of your greater purpose? How is this going to bring about peace and less suffering to the the land? So it'd be interesting to watch as that progresses going forward. Yeah, and that might also just be something that he tells himself and others mm. to kind of justify the choices that he makes because I think most of the things that he does are to benefit himself and keep himself alive. That way he can continue to inflict his will upon the way things are done and mm. the decisions that the small council makes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably not entirely altruistic and pure hearted as he may make it seem. Um, but we'll see. Um, so the next, the next bit that we get, we go up to the wall and we have discovered the bodies of the two, um, brothers in black who are frozen and who we know to be future zombies slash whites. (laughs) Yes. And the Um, big thing is they don't smell, even though they've been dead for however long. 
Exactly. And I love this because it's one of those moments where Sam gets to show um, just his education and the, the, um, uh, what is it I'm looking for? I don't know his, the word I'm looking for. He gets to show his strengths. His strengths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets to show his strengths. Everyone else there, you know, they can swing a sword real well. They can track animals through the forest, all this other stuff. But Sam is smart. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really like that about him. He gets that actually twice in this episode. One uh, the second time a little bit later on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, they're having this whole thing. They're like, what do we do with the bodies? They're like, let's burn them. They're like, no, let's examine them first. And we're like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> and then News of King's Landing reaches the wall. John finds out that Ned is being in prison. This is another thing where like, ah, here's the big news. Kind of like when Tyrion was first captured. It's like, ah, now this is reaching everybody's ears. So the new- the next big news is that Ned is a traitor. He has been imprisoned. And of course, all the Starks are like, mm, no, 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 no. Which, <laughs> And they all react in different ways. Um, as we later see, John is classic. Um, but <laughs> Classic John. <laughs> classic John. But that's kind of where we are left um, with John. He's just like, oh, okay, I know the information now. Um, and then we get brought back to Sansa being manipulated by everybody. They're all in oh, on it. This is Little such finger. a frustrating scene. Ares, Cersei, who else? Pycelle. Like, yeah, uh, it's Pycelle, frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Lena Hetty is just so good. She just puts this sweet tone to her voice. She knows exactly how to coerce Sansa into believing that this is the right way to go. And it's like in, in the book, just reading the text, you're kind of just like, Oh, it's so easy to see through this. Why is she not seeing through this? But then when you actually see it performed in front of you, especially as excellently as Lena Headey does, mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh, Oh, I get it. Like mm-hmm. she has been, gaslit into believing that this woman wants the best for her and her happiness and all that kind of stuff. And now she's telling you that you need to do this thing that feels wrong, but she's making it seem right. And I can kind of understand it now. The things, the two things that stick out to me is the use of little dove. Always a good way to, that's a good term to say to her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Three things. Manipulating Sansa's love for Joffrey She's like, hey, you're the daughter of a traitor. I can't have you marrying my son. And she's like, no, 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 I love him so much. And the other part is where at first, like, Sansa's agreeing. And then she says, if I could just talk to him, if I could just see my father and talk to him, I know there's been a mistake. And the way that Cersei looks at her, she just kind of, like, squints her eyes and shakes her head. And she says, you disappoint me, child. (laughs) Nothing worse than having somebody you look up to say they're disappointed in you. Not mad. I'm just disappointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Classic line. Yep. And then we get, um, and then they're like, hey, this is what you need to do. You must, if you truly want to be with Joffrey, which, you know, um, you must write a letter to um, your mother and your brother, Rob. And so I was like, I don't know what to write. They're like, oh, God, no. You're not, you, you don't actually have to think of what to write. Don't worry, we'll tell you, but you're going to write it. Um, 
And I think this is a great cut because I say you're going to write the letter to Rob and Kat. Cut to Rob reading said letter. Nice smooth transition there, I think. Smooth transition. And it also shows that there has been, you know, a passage of time because, again, they use ravens to communicate. So Mm -hmm. it's going to take a while for that to get up there. Um, It's hard to remember that all of this is happening over a uh, longer period of time than the show makes it out to be. And I think with the way that they made this edit, it kind of reminds you, I don't know. It makes it seem both like a condensed timeline, but I mean, I at least know that it is happening over a longer period of time. So, yeah, I feel like we're getting like two weeks and two minutes. Um, yeah. With this whole episode, which is just, you know, I've it's like the every season and book is like, especially with the seasons, it's like build up, build up, build up, build up. And then the last like three episodes, it's like, and we're off and running. And it's just go, 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 go. Um, and this is a pretty great, this is how Rob reacts to the news. He, um, it's frustrated, obviously. And Maester Loon's like, it's not your sister. It's Cersei. Um, and Rob's like, okay, then call the Bannerman. And Maester Loon, to his credit, like, Rob's a child, but he is the Stark of Winterfell, and that is who Maester Lewin is sworn to serve. He de- the only question he asks is, all of them, my lord? And he says, yeah, they're sworn to protect my father. Let's call them all in. And it's a really... And Maester Lewin just is like, all right, here we go. Because their choices are becoming quite limited. They're kind of being backed into a corner. Yeah. Um, and we have a great moment. I, I say this faultingly and haltingly but a great moment with theon um where he says are you are you afraid and rob's handshaking is like i must be and theon says good and he says why is that good means you're not stupid and it doesn't that way but <laughs> that would that was a spot-on impression that was impressive thanks <laughs> thanks yeah, there are moments of greatness from Theon. And I think especially um, as performed by, what's his name, Alfie Allen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he is fantastic. Um, the character's not fantastic. Alfie Allen is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so the, the transition again goes to, we're seeing this message getting dispersed throughout all the different corners uh, where all the Starks are because we go to Catelyn in the Vale where she's upset because her sister got the message that morning and didn't show it to her until I guess like the evening or something. And so mm-hmm. she's just super pissed that she's just like, this is my husband and you should have told me earlier. Mm-hmm. And this scene just, just, I just, I don't want to dwell on it too long because this little shit that plays the child is just so creepy and mm-hmm. he's like tugging at the strings of her blouse because he's hungry and he's wanting to eat and I'm just like I, I don't know my my feelings on that I think I've expressed before it's just seeing it uh, seeing it played out before me is much different than reading it in the book and the yeah. book is just kind of like oh yeah okay whatever but then it's just yeah. like you have to watch this child and this woman like encouraging this behavior yeah it's i mean it's a perfect um metaphor i guess for their relationship you know what i mean it encapsulates it quite well 
But, yeah, you know, and basically the big conversation here is C- Catelyn's like, will the Knights of the Vale fight with us? And Liza says, no, they're staying here. They're going to protect me and my child, my sweet baby. Um, yeah. Basically so, checking out of the entire conflict to come. Yep. She's like, deuces. I'm going to be Switzerland up in here. I have no side. <laughs> um, Little does she know that Tyrion who we join after this scene. Um, he's walking through the woods with Bronn, and um, they're, they're having a great conversation. Uh, Bronn is talking about how he's not Tyrion's friend, anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Total brain... I'm having a stroke here today, guys. Oh, You're my good. God. The other big just... thing is Tyrion's like, hey, I will pay you more than anybody. So just if you ever want to betray me, why would you? Because I will always pay more than anybody who, who you would betray me to. So, yeah. And I feel, and like, Tyrion's remember, like, I'll double it. Exactly. He's like, I like living and I'm feeling pretty good about our relationship now that we've established <laughs> it. Um, and then the next bit, the bit that might throw Eliza for a loop is the hill tribes yes. appear finally. Yeah. I had started going into that camp out scene when I forgot ah. that, uh, they have that little conversation beforehand. So that was my yes. bad. Um, no, you're fine. yeah. So, so they're, they're kind of chilling around a campfire. Uh, Tyrion, I think is sleeping and Bronn notices that there are some twigs cracking and all this kind of stuff. And then we see after he wakes Tyrion up with a kick, we see the hill tribes coming out of the trees. And this whole scene is pretty dope. The The costuming, I mean, we've said this before, it's it's a given by now, that the costuming for these guys is just fantastic. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they seem well-armed and well-outfitted, but when you look closer, they're wearing rags. Their helmets sometimes don't fit their heads. Mm-hmm. Their weapons are literally just like a stick with a piece of iron jammed into the end and rope tied around it to secure it. It's very well done. You don't to where they don't have to like directly address it. You can just see it in the way that it's been designed. Mm -hmm. So it tells you everything that you need to know just by looking at these guys, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they're fun. I love Shaga, son of Dolph. Um, Yeah. Big fan. Love the writing for these guys. And, you know, Tyrion basically does what he does best. He talks himself out of mortal danger because they're like, hey, we're going to kill you. Actually, we're going to kill Bronn, but keep you because you're funny. And <laughs> Tyrion's like, hey, what, what What about if I give you better steel? They're like, no, 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 not good enough. And then he's like, okay, how about this? This will really work out for both of us. If you help me and do not kill me, I will give you the veil because I hate these motherfuckers. So I'd rather have you guys have it. So please. And that's convincing enough for them. And... He does it again, that guy. Yeah. Talks his way out of another situation like this. And uh, to be honest, I would rather see them in the veil than uh, Lysa. <laughs> it's fair. It's totally fair. So, yeah, that is definitely something that um, I'm excited to see play out in the future. Because as we see later on, um, he has promised them, um, what is it, 3,000 men and pikes and swords and shields and all that kind of stuff to go take the veil yep and i don't know how many men are um 
protecting the veil. So that would be interesting to see that conflict. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to see if and when that happens. Mm-hmm. Be quite Sorry, fun. Neighbor, neighbor's dog is barking. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Uh, just a little bit, but that's okay. Um, the next thing we get, this is when we see John's um, reaction manifested. He yes. and <laughs> are cutting meat. Sir Alistair does what he does best, which is wind John up and piss him off. And he's basically, I'm like, what? you're kicking him while he's down. His dad's already a traitor. He's in prison. He doesn't know the fate of his sisters. There's a lot going on. And Sir Alistair decides that he's going to say exactly what he knows to, was to say to get John to attempt to murder him with a knife. Because then that will get John, like, booted or whatever the night's watch version of court martialed is or something like that um probably get his head cut off yeah he says something about how john is like the son of a traitor and a bastard and john's just a sensitive person um and (laughs) has to kill him for it obviously um and that's when he gets confined to his quarters and the spooky part of the episode happens oh i loved this whole thing First off, I want to commend Pip and Gren because they jumped in there right off the bat to grab the knife before mm. John could could get uh, Thorn. So as much as I wanted to see Thorn shut his damn mouth, I was glad to see that uh, these two guys are on it. And yeah, they know their friend. They're just mm-hmm. like, uh, okay, things are tense. This is good. Oh, yep, yep it happened. There okay, it is. let me get yep. done. <laughs> um, so yeah, as you said, the creepy part of this episode uh, starts and uh, ghost is pawing at the door. John's trying to ignore him, but then he finally kind of sits up and he's just like, wait, something is going on. And it's great because like, I think here, let me unmute this real quick. Yeah. Oh, the there's music. just a, yeah, there's just a slight soundtrack going on right now. A slight score, I should say, mm-hmm. which is just very creepy. Because that's basically the only sound aside from ghost barking and footsteps. Mm-hmm. So it's as if all the life has left this entire fortress during the scene. It's fantastically done. Mm-hmm. Um, and John John gets to uh, Commander Mormont's chambers and he starts seeing doors ajar and... There's no response when he's calling out anything like that. Gets through and starts to like open another door. But then, boom! The white slams the door behind him. Ghost is locked out. He's jumping at the door. And we get the conflict between John and the white. Mm-hmm. And he gets, you know, it's his name was Othor. So he gets his hands around john's throat john immediately whips out his knife smart thing to do and it starts stabbing him to no avail um and then he pulls a shatner and just knocks his hands down um yeah and then he, you know they fight a little bit he does a little swirly move and then he shoves his sword up into him and that knocks him down for a second and that's when commander Mormor comes out with the lamp of fire he says yeah what's going on out here and john's like uh, that guy and then his back is turned othor stands up takes the sword out 
And I don't understand why John couldn't just grab the top of the lamp. He has to literally grab it <laughs> by the side and burn this. Like, watching it, I'm just like, just grab the top. Just It's right there. Why do you have to just grab it like that? Anyway. It's it's very silly. Yes. But in the heat of the moment, you never know what you might do, you know? Oh, the heat of the moment, you say. I see what you did there. Um, it was the heat of the moment. Yep. Lovely. Throwing the lamp on the zombie. Yes, and anyway. it does the job. The zombie is defeated. It does, and that was an excellent scene. Mm-hmm. You um, get everything in this one. All the, all the different feelings. You really do. Mm-hmm. Because what we get next is Danny walking through kind of the ruins of this city that they've sacked. And mm-hmm. she's seeing all of the things that the, that the Dothraki do to people that they have conquered. She's seeing the slaughtering. Um, there's men collecting women in this big old like pen mm-hmm. for for slaves later on. And she's pretty disturbed by it. I I was amused by this scene. Because basically the entire time, once the scene starts, there's just this dude with a long, either a spear or a stick. And he is just the entire time just doing these wide overhead swings onto one dead body. The entire time. Like 10 straight minutes of just... It's just like, guy, he's dead. Move on. Oh my god, did not even notice. Did not clock it. It was just so funny. I could I couldn't not see it happen, but um thankfully I didn't miss kind of the conflict that's going on because you've got um I always forget this dude's name, Jaco. Yes. Yeah. He yeah. he seems like kind of the right-hand guy to Danny whenever she's not around uh Cal Drogo. Yeah. He's he's a pretty cool dude. He's yeah. the one that uh got his whip around um Viserys' neck when he mm-hmm. was assaulting Danny, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and he's like, he's like, she's like, why are we doing this? And he's like, Cal Drogo is going to take these people for slaves to the slavers, and we're going to get gold and silk and steel. And Danny's like, since when do the Dothraki care about money? And then Jorah's like, uh, because you want to sail across the sea to Westeros, and ships cost money, so this is what needs to be done in order to achieve your dream Khaleesi so careful of the words which you have sown and your actions and blah 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 yeah my sentence forming skills are not great (laughs) we're both in peak condition tonight yeah I'm sure this is a great listening experience for y'all so fun (laughs) (laughs) um again this is another scene that I didn't have subtitles for and this entire scene they are literally speaking exclusively in Dothraki but I was able, again, to remember from the book kind of what they're talking about. And Mm -hmm. also, it's very easy to understand from the context is that this guy that was about to either rape and or kill Miri Mazdur is upset that he had his spoils of war stolen from him by Danny. So he ran off crying to Drogo. And I think Drogo was trying to... He's basically, he's saying, like, this is the way of war. Um... Yeah. He's trying to tell Danny that, like, this is the way we do things. Yeah. Boo. Um, but. And then Danny's like, uh, they're talking about, there's this whole bit where it's like, 
She's like, well, they could take them for wives. And the guy's like, since when does the horse mate with the lamb? And she says, dragons eat horses and lambs alike, so shut up. And then he's like, well, you don't get to command me. You're a foreigner. And she's like, I do get to command you. I'm your Khaleesi. And Drogo's like, ah, ha, ha, you see that? That's my son that's making her like this. This isn't actually her. This is about me and my man seed inside of her. Um <laughs> man seed i can go the rest of my life without hearing that phrase <laughs> listen. listen uh and then he's like okay well that's he's like listen i love my wife uh so she gets to have her fun and do whatever she he, she wants and then another i think fucking cool fight scene ensues what did you think of this i i heartily agree with you Mostly just because I love watching Jason Momoa in action. Mm-hmm. And also because I love the character of Khal Drogo. Mm-hmm. Because the whole thing starts, the guy, he's pissed that he is being denied and he spits at Drogo's feet. And then it escalates because he raises his blade towards him. And at first, uh, Drogo's right-hand guy, another um, Dothraki guy that I really, really like, He's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, he stands in between them, but then Drogo gets up and he's just like, "Nah, I got this." And mm-hmm. this is when the guy pushes his blade into Drogo's chest and gives him that big gash that we know mm-hmm. comes into play l- later on. And um, <laughs> I couldn't understand it, but it was really, really cool <laughs> when Drogo's just—he's just spouting off all this whole speech and he pulls out a couple daggers from his belt, holds them out and just drops them like a badass because mm-hmm. he's just like, you've got your blade. I don't need anything. Mm-hmm. This guy comes at him with these swings. He's trying to trying to kill him. Basically mm-hmm. he's taking his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and Drogo's just kind of leaning out of the way, just like, ah, whoo, ah, this is why I have a long braid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I could whip you in the face with it. Uh, the con, I just want to say well, real quick, just a little bit of what he's saying. Cause that's pretty cool. He's like, I will yeah. not burn your body. I'm going to leave your dead rotting corpse out in the open for the birds to prey upon. And the rain will fall on your rotting skin. You'll have no honor. Basically that. And then as he's saying all these things, the guy's like, you'll have to kill me first. And then when, Drogo, like, they kind of, you know, all of a sudden are in contact with each other. He's like, I already have. And that's when he rips the blade out of him, slashes his throat, and thro- and then puts his hand in the gash and rips the guy's tongue out of his throat. It's yes! metal. I love it. It's so fucking cool! <laughs> love it. Oh, it's brutal, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why this dude is the leader. This is why he's in charge. Yes. So epic. And he just kind of casually tosses it into this pile of heads that's next to where he's sitting. And he just has a seat and he's just like, all right, back to my day. Oh, hey, look, I got cut. (laughs) Do you think, I think, honestly, had Miri Mazdor not treated it, I think it would have been fine. It didn't, like, you know... Yeah, in yeah. in the book it was yeah. described as being like this huge gash where like his nipple is gone and yeah. it's deep inside his yeah. skin, but in in this the show it's just, just like, like a little cut. Yeah. Yeah, it's at most like 3 inches long and it's not doesn't look super deep. So yeah, just the way that it looks in the show it's just like 
you know, that's not going to get infected. Just don't like get any shit in it. And you'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be great. But yeah, basically, Danny's like, here, let her help you. And they're like, no, she's a witch. She's like, I want her to help. So Miriam has doors in there now, which is what she really wanted. Um, and we'll see how that plays out later. And then the next yep. scene is we get to see all the Bannermen have gathered at um, <laughs> Winterfell. I'm sure that took no time at all. Um, yeah. You know, like a day, maybe. Yeah. And again, um, just kind of the casual display of the passage of time. Yeah, just like it happens. You just kind of ride the wave, baby. Um, and this is when we meet the great John, Lord Umber. And this is the whole bit where he's like about to raise hit. And it's an interesting parallel because we just saw what happens in the Dothraki culture if you raise your blade to your leader. And so then this happens because he's bitching about the fact that he doesn't get to leak the vanguard. And he stands up and he's about to draw his blade. And because Rob calls him an oath breaker, um, which is such a huge insult. And then mm-hmm. – um, Again, the leader reprimands him, but in the form of his dire wolf attacking him and biting his two fingers off. Which hopefully that wasn't his dominant hand because you're definitely not going to be the leader of the vanguard now if you don't have your dominant hand. <laughs> yeah. I bet ghost, not ghost, uh, gray wind? Yes. What? I can't remember I can't. Rob's dire wolf's name. He doesn't say it that often. I'm pretty sure it's gray wind. Yeah, great. I think you're right. Gray wind. So- something up. wind. Something majestic and madly. Um, but wind, I don't know. Something like, yeah, that's what it was. Um, <laughs> that's what it was. But, yeah, so, and that, and everyone's laughing about it, and Rob earns the respect of his, of his men and the yeah. eyes of all of them. And he's very, he's very good at sounding intimidating and making big speeches and all about, and it's a very smart move to always invoke, be like, this is what my father taught me. My father taught me this because that's what they're all there for is to rescue Ned. So smart yeah. move, smart move there, Rob. Totes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's also very funny to see this guy get two fingers ripped off and then stand up and just be like, ha ha, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. All right, let's go. <laughs> Classic Northerners. Love to see it. Um, yeah. And this is also and- where... Yeah, yeah, you go. Rob says farewell. Yeah, Rob goes to say goodbye to Bran, say you're the man of the house. And this is also where, like, once Rob says goodbye and leaves, um, this is, I think, the first time we hear Rickon speak. Because Rickon comes around, Rickon comes around the corner and um, he's saying that, you know, they're going to die or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the first time we hear him speak in the show. I think you're right. Yeah, his weirdly prophetic statements that this little child says. Yeah, um, it's many. it's kind of weird yeah. because they've they've donated like zero time to this character. So to have him seem super prophetic as well, almost as much as Bran is portrayed to be. Yeah, it's a little weird and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So it's kind of how I felt. I feel that it's all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that's right. There's another child that is there. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. So Bran's in charge. Um, and he is praying in the God's wood and that's when OSHA comes up. And I was just laughing so hard at her hair in this scene. Because, <laughs> like I get it. She's a wildling and they're trying to make her look wild and crazy and she doesn't care. And so her hair's all matted and whatnot, but then she has like these long strings 
that are hanging all the way down her face. And I'm like, you're telling me that that's not bothering her to just have this hair hanging in front of her (laughs) face, like her vision. She wouldn't just sweep it aside or anything at I, I get the what they're trying to convey with that hair, but I'm like, it's a little ridiculous. Like many things that end up happening with the styling. Like, I get what you're conveying. It's not practical. Yeah, it's not practical. And it kind of, it's kind of hard for me to believe that the entire time that she's been up there, like she hasn't taken a bath once. Mm-hmm. I, I know she's a prisoner or quote unquote, guest as maester Eamon says but lewin. i feel like she would maester lewin yeah sorry maester Eamon is up at the wall mm-hmm. um i feel like she would have taken a bath at least once and it's just like your character is like you as a person are not i don't know what i'm yeah. saying I, I, I agree with you at the end of the yeah. day i agree with you <laughs> at the end of the day you're another day older um <laughs> gotcha um, and so, this is kind of, yeah, this conversation is kind of spiritual, right? Yeah, they're talking about how they both pray to the same gods. And um, she's asking Bran if if he's hearing responses and stuff like that. Um, and they're eventually interrupted by Hodor running up, fully buck naked, mm-hmm. hanging dong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, equal opportunity male nudity. Yeah. Love to see it. Yeah. Um, I don't quite remember their conversation that well. It's, um, most, it's just, again, mostly just about, like, how she says that they need to go, that Rob's marching the wrong way. They need to go. Oh, north, that's right. South. That's right. That's a big takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. There is something in the north. Y'all need to figure your shit out and realize that there's a bigger threat coming. That kind of yeah. thing. Yep. And which then, is true. Yeah. And then we cut to the bigger threat, which is men of the night's watch gathered around these burning bodies. And that's when Sam's like, Hey, this is what they are. This is what's happened. Yep. Again, Sam getting to show off his book smarts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause he says, yeah. I read it in a book and everyone's just kind of like, what's a book. <laughs> I seriously, it's like, you weird guy who reads. Wait, yeah, he says, but basically they were touched by White Walkers. So that's how, you know, that's why they were doing this. And they're like, "Ugh, White Walkers. And he's like, yep. And it's bad if they're awake. And he's like, I just hope the wall is high enough. Yeah, which leads me to believe that it won't be. Hmm. And it kind of makes me think of, um, did you ever watch World War Z? That Brad no. Pitt zombie movie? I did not. <laughs> that's fine. It's average. Um, but it's just the way that they designed those zombies in the movie. Like there's a scene where there is a giant wall protecting this like safe zone Mm -hmm. and the way that they had the zombies like swarm, they just piled like ants up the wall. They just like towered onto each other, piled up and then just like poured over the side into the safe area. So that just kind of like, I was just like, Oh I hope the wall is high enough because that might happen. Mm. I don't know. That's just, it's just where my brain went. Honestly, shrug, fart, walk away. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, that's all I have to say about that. Word. Um, and then we get a reunion of mother and son. Um, 
So sweet. And it's interesting because she comes up. This is sorry, Cat and Rob. Um, she comes up and Rob like goes up to her and he's like, "Mother," and then they just stare at each other because I think in that instant they both realize like we can't hug each other um, because propriety. We have to, yes, we have to save face in front of all of these men. Um, so we'll just stare at each other. Um, and so <laughs> until. she kind until she kind of gets the down low, blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, can I have some time with my son? They're like, yeah, of course. Got you. <laughs> and great. John number is just like, well, what are you waiting for? Get the hell out. I love how he, I love this in the book and I love it even more with this actor that's portraying him because he's mm-hmm. killing it. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's like Rob's like biggest, uh, Supporter. Spokesperson. Fan. Yeah. Supporter. Yeah. Cheerleader. <laughs> During this whole thing. Cause he's yeah. just like, you heard her. They want a moment of private. Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Even you, Greyjoy, piss off. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a moment, you know, of course, Catelyn's like, um, what are you doing? And he's like, well, somebody had to leave. She's like, yes, someone. Um, you didn't have to do it. People who are experienced. But of course, he's like, well, father would have, blah, 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 blah. So he's stubborn. And that's basically when she's like, well, our bet is made now. Now our only option is to win. You can't go down and bend the knee or else you'd never be allowed to leave. And if we turn around now, that basically your father's dead. So we have to win. Yeah. The only way through is forward. Yep. If you lose, I die, you die, your fathers die, and the girls die. We die. Yeah. Literally the highest stakes. Yeah, so no pressure, Rob, for your mm-hmm. first uh, for your first battle command. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, he has got a lot going for him with those sick ass carvings of like the little animals that represent the different forces. Mm-hmm. They have these little wooden or like ivory carvings, whatever they are, mm-hmm. that represent the Lannisters with lions and the Starks with wolves and all this kind of stuff. I thought that was cool and i yep. want one of those yep. <laughs> yeah it'd dope. be like a chess set that'd be cool um set deck is off the chain with this show i can't mm-hmm. get over it i won't mm-hmm. get over it i refuse yeah they they do the set dressing and prop works props work is very excellent on this show um absolutely and then we switch to the other camp which is something that i always enjoy um and we get to see another reunion of a parent and child, but this time it is of two people that absolutely despise each other in <laughs> Tywin and Tyrion. Um, and and Uncle see, Kevin. I was, no, I was just going to say, <laughs> Uncle Kevin's here. Um, yeah. And this is a great bit because Tyrion's like, oh, by the way, father, I brought my friends. This is Shaga, son of Dolph, blah, blah, son of blah, 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 Bronn, son of, and then Bronn's just like, you wouldn't know him. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I love the guy who's playing Braun. He's just yes. nailing it. <laughs> He's great. He's great. Yeah. So um Tyrion <laughs> there's this funny little bit where he comes up to Tywin's table and he starts to reach for the wine jug and Tywin's just like Get the fuck away from my wine. He moves the jug back towards him and then as Tywin gets up to kind of inspect and talk to Shaga and um, I can't remember the other, the other dude's name. Um, the, the Hill Tribes. 
the hill tribe guys uh when he gets up to talk to them Tyrion just kind of like half climbs onto the table and grabs the wine jug and brings it over and pours himself a cup of wine i thought it was very amusing it was a nice little touch and it's those little touches like that that make it feel a little bit more real you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is when Tyrion gets the down low which is basically that jamie rocks and he sucks um <laughs> and then uh let's see what else do we learn that the northmen have crossed the neck um the which is the what is the neck? Is it a river? No, it's not a river because, as we know, the crossing. Yeah. Um, the neck, so I think, is like the thin piece yeah, of land like a, yeah. where the twins are, right? Yeah. So that's what's going on there. Um, and so then T- Tywin is talking to the hill tribe. She's like, I've heard uh, of your skills in battle. Fight with me and you'll have everything my son promised you and more. And Shaga says... Okay, yeah, we'll fight with you, but only if the half man fights with us. And Tyrion's like, God, God, God damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to sit here and drink wine. I was safe finally. Come on. Yeah, it's like, I finally got back to my family. Can I just relax? Mm hmm. Yes. And then we cut to the crossing of the twins. Yeah. And this is, I think, kind of another pivotal scene for Rob because they are discussing battle plans. Mm -hmm. And as they're having that conversation, we get this shot of a couple of the soldiers dragging this dude into the tent. And um, dear listeners, if you recall, this is a spy that they captured just on the outskirts of their encampment who was counting everybody who was in camp. And Rob's just like, what did you get up to? And the guy says, 20,000. I was like, did you really count 20,000 people? Or were you estimating just a mm-hmm. little bit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like breaking off twigs to represent like the tens and hundreds that he's counted. I don't know. Just loses but, uh, track of his counting. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, fuck it is. 20,000-ish. Yeah. Um, Who needs to be precise yeah, here? exactly it's roughly this amount of people Mm -hmm. um but i guess i guess if you were to like see how many tents there were and then estimate how many people could sleep in a tent then Mm -hmm. you could kind of get a rough estimate from there so sure it's it's a minor detail the main thing that we want to take away from this scene is that rob is starting to um, he's starting to utilize some of his father's merciful kind of personality traits mm-hmm. because he decides that instead of killing this guy, he's going to let him go. He tells him to tell Tywin that, um, what is it? The Starks are coming down with 20,000 men and they're going to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And, they're, and then, of course... Like it was Rob was being questioned. His motives were questioned in front of the Lannister scout by his own men. And he's like, call me boy one more time. Like he's getting sick of it. He's like, I'm fucking in charge. I'm making goddamn decisions. Um, Yeah. I'm a boss ass bitch. Don't tell me what to do. And (laughs) which it's actually really frustrating because to have these guys question, like you said, question him in front of this scout. What do you think that scout is going to go back and say to Tywin? It's just like, he doesn't have the full support of 
everyone that's on his side. So the great John, you know, he could have waited until after the guy was gone to Mm -hmm. have dissented a bit. So that was not smart on his part because that is showing a weakness. Mm -hmm. So, oh, well, but there we go. Um, Then we cut to, that's weird. I don't know what this shot is supposed to do. It's Ned in the dungeons. He gets kicked by somebody. <laughs> and then it. the guy kind of just like waggles the torch in his face and then walks away and it fades like, to black. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, just to like prove that Ned's just really miserable in the dungeon as if we yeah, put, didn't like, get that already. Hey, we're put, Ned's still here. We're just putting him through some bad shit. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm like, it, oh. It's I'll, very amusing. Yeah, because at, at first when I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is going to be another very scene. And then it just led to that. And I was like, <laughs> Kick, okay. wave, wave, fade to yeah. black. Yep. What it's really transitioning towards is Sansa's about to give the performance of her life. Um, she's going, because the court is in session um, and a bunch of big announcements are being made. Um, Joffrey's there. The queen's there. Pycelle's reading off all these things. The first one is that Yano Slint, commander of the Night's Watch, is being uplifted or appointed to Lord of Harrenhal. Um, Peggerhead. Yep. Tywin is now Hand of the King. And um, Barristan Selmy is basically fired and Jamie gets to be commander of the King's Guard. Yeah. That's a rough it was, scene. It, it, it was a very rough scene. Because the guy who's playing Barristan Selmy, forgive me, I can't recall his name, but he he does such a great job to show kind of the uh, the frustration and the anger of being basically fired from this life appointment. He mm-hmm. says, it's like, once you're sworn in, it's until death. And then mm-hmm. Cersei's like, well, until whose death? Yours or your king's? basically saying we can do what we want it's fine print you know you didn't read the Mm -hmm. fine print Mm -hmm. and um so barristan draws his sword in anger and he's just like you know even now i could cut through the five of you like cutting through a cake Mm -hmm. and you think that you're gonna get this big old fight scene which would have been badass to see barristan sell me kicking some ass but he throws his sword down and he says the line of melt this down and add it to the throne. Mm-hmm. And then he storms out of the, out of the room. Mm-hmm. Ah, Sir Barristan. I just hate seeing noble people disgraced in front of everybody. Cause they all laughed at him too. Cause he's like taking off yeah. his clothes, like I'm a knight and I'll die a knight. He's like taking off his cloak and little finger quips a naked knight evidently. And everybody laughs at him. These assholes laugh at him. And then the second he draws his sword, they're just like, they back away slightly and they're just like, oh, oh no, he's dangerous. And it's just like, oh, you, you fuckers. <laughs> I hate him. I just hate smarmy assholes. Ass Ugh. kissers, not a fan. Um, And then this is when Sansa comes before Joffrey, who is just such a piece of shit. Cause he's like giving her secret smiles. Her, him and Cersei both are. And he says, speak, my lady. I would hear what you have to say. Um, I know. And she's she basically, <laughs> you know, she's dressed all pretty. She begs for Ned's life. Um, she's like, somebody must have lied to him. He wouldn't do that. Like, please, 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 please. And Joffrey says, your sweet words have moved me. Um, 
I'll, Much like a bowel movement. Yes, exactly. Have moved me. Um, and I will offer your father mercy, but he has to confess and say that I'm the king. Yep. Which goes and against that, everything. Yeah. Just basically forsake all of his honor and everything that he stood for. Um, and that is where we cut to black. Um, I, I have to give credit to Sansa during her little speech because what she is saying actually makes sense. She's saying that, you know, her father never wanted to come down here. He only did it because, um, Robert Robert. asked him to, Mm -hmm. and like somebody must have, must have, you know, been untruthful with him to get him to do whatever he did. Mm -hmm. So I I like the fact that she has kind of thought about this a little Mm -hmm. bit. She also has that bit about he has lit, he was hurt. He was on milk of the poppy. He was in his right mind. (laughs) <laughs> kind of uh, throwing shade at Maester Pycelle a little bit. He's oh, like, yeah. Maester Pycelle had him on drugs, basically. Yeah. It's Maester so, Pycelle. If we're pointing fingers, let's point him at fucking Maester Pycelle. Yeah. You old dirty bastard. <laughs> yeah. He is. I don't like him. Yeah. So, yeah. But the the, the scene ends with Joffrey saying, like you said, um, he, he must say that I am the king. Mm-hmm. And... And that's where we leave it. And mm. we only have two more episodes left in this season. Yes. Oh, it's boy. exciting, but also, also sad because <laughs> the first season has gone so much quicker than the first book has. <laughs> I know. I almost don't want to be done with it, but you now the time has come. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, so, um, any closing thoughts on this episode before we take a break and head to the rec room? I don't think so. I think, uh, I think I'm ready to start talking about, uh, some rec stuff. So great. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to late to the game. If you're enjoying the podcast and are looking for a way to support us, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash late to the game, and you can throw a couple dollars our way. Any amount would be much appreciated, and a little goes a long way. If you can't spare the money but still want to show your support, you can give us a rating and a review on any platform that you are currently listening to this episode on. If you leave us a review, it will increase our rankings and help us use the algorithms to our advantage. Thanks again! Welcome back to the Rec Room. This is the place where we talk about what we've been enjoying, um ingesting digesting whatever as far as um media content stories books whatever um so with that lovely introduction out of the way jaren why don't you start us off i think i will and um speaking of digesting and all that stuff i want to talk about something that you could ingest Mm. kind of Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the thing I was going to talk about was the fact that I have been listening to um, Lil Nas X's album Montero since it came out on September 17th. It's so good. Um, but you guys have probably already been listening to that. So what I'm going to talk about is a Netflix series called Baking Impossible. Um, oh. Yeah. I wa- Okay. I- 
<laughs> so Paisley just found this. We were getting ready for bed and she just kind of threw it on um, as I was brushing my teeth. And she was just like, hey, come check this out. You might like it. And you know what? I do. Because what it is, Baking Impossible, is they combine baking and engineering. And so it's another kind of elimination style um, TV series where teams of two, one being a baker and the other one being an engineer, they are put together on these teams and they have these tasks where they have to combine their two um, professions, basically, to withstand a series of tests. So the first episode, they had to create a an edible ship that they could float through this little course in a certain amount of time. So mm-hmm. they have to um, create like steering mechanisms and all this other kind of stuff. The second episode is like about robotics. They have to build a robot out of mostly edible parts, all that kind of stuff. It's wow. really cool so far. We're several episodes into it and it's just really cool to see how people are just so creative in combining two professions and um oh hello i just got jumped upon and Mm -hmm. scratched all over my leg um anyway it's so much fun to see baking and engineering come together in such creative ways and Mm -hmm. i just love seeing people express their creativity in the professions that they have chosen there there are some people on there who are like nasa engineers who have designed um pieces and parts that go into space um stuff for the mars rover all that kind of stuff so definitely check it out it's on netflix and um it's pretty fresh i think it uh just came out like last week or something um but it's a lot of fun baking impossible and the host, <laughs> the host is kind of funny. The ju- one of the judges was actually on um, the Great British Baking Show, so it was Who fun was it? to see a familiar face. Andrew Smythe, I believe his name was. He's a redhead guy. I don't know when he was on the show, but I know he was on the show because I recognized him immediately. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, check it cool. out if you want. I did see that, and I was like, interesting. I'm glad I'm glad to have your recommendation because that will help now decide that I will watch it. So thank you. Yeah. Also listen to Lil Nas X's Montero because it is absolute gold. Mm-hmm. Jordan, what do you have? What do you want to chat about? Okay. So I am going to my first concert since the pandemic next month. Um, I bought tickets for one of my favorite artists um, who the first time I heard their music was when I went to a concert of theirs. Um, and it turns out that one of my friends is also a huge fan and we didn't know it this whole time. And so in preparation of this concert, I've been re-listening to their entire discography um, because I just like to be prepared. Um, and so I'm talking about the Avid Brothers. So I would love to recommend just listening to their music. It's a very folksy rock bluegrass country genre it's a mixing of all sorts of genres it's really incredible they have like god i don't even know i want to say eight albums or something i love them they're amazing live and they write 
beautiful, beautiful songs that have like these beautiful harmonies and the instrumentals because they play so many instruments. They're so talented. Um, and I've, it's been just, I've just been listening to them, you know, on my commutes, walking around. And I think they are a perfect artist to listen to during this time of transition in the fall. They're very good fall music. They get the, I feel like their total aura is like golden orangey maple leaf is their total, is their vibe. Um, so if you've never listened to the Ava brothers, if any of that type of music sounds like anything you might like, they, they, they range from like total bluegrass to like singer songwriter, singer songwritery. Um, and also I found out that they have a musical coming out like a jukebox musical, um, Star, just like you know, their songs are featured. Um, Jonathan Gallagher Jr. is going to be in the cast. It's premiering in San Diego, I believe. It's called Swept Away, named after one of their songs, and it's about two brothers in the 1800s who were shipwrecked. Um, so it's yeah, I that's my recommendation is just go listen to the Ava brothers, chill out, walk around looking at the leaves. I know in Montana it's a snowstorm there, so that's not really a possibility, but um, yeah. Listen to the Ava Brothers. That's my rec for this week. That's awesome. I I know that I've heard a few of their songs, but I honestly haven't heard them enough to be able to pick them out and name a few. And also, I am really, really interested in that musical because that sounds amazing because I, I know their style. And I also like the sound of kind of like the description that you just gave about the kind of the plot of the musical. So... Mm-hmm. That is something that's definitely going to be on my radar. Thanks for mm-hmm. the wreck. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> no pun intended. Shipwreck? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Oh, man. Yeah. So thank you, Jordan. This has been great. It's always so much fun to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for joining me yet again. Listeners, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us try to string sentences together sometimes pass sometimes fail it's up to you to decide let us know get in touch with us remember you can email us at lttgpodcast at gmail.com share your thoughts share your own recs and hey maybe you can make can get a mention on the podcast maybe isn't that just the dream get mentioned on a a very young podcast (laughs) a strictly got podcast very niche totally Um, who knows? We might branch out sometime. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, uh, everybody. Jaren, as always, thank you for having me. Thank you for, I think we support each other's ramblings, which is always nice and lovely. And until next time, prepare yourselves for banter is coming. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>